It's lights out and away we go. Welcome everybody. Hello racers to the hard or soft F1 podcast. I'm your host Adrian Huff and I'm joined as always by my co-host RJ McCullough. How's it going RJ? Hey man, uh, good to see you. Another incredible race. Um, yes. It, it pains me pains me to say this, but not only did Max win, but uh, thanks to that, I now have another punishment because you have Max on your team. The uh, the sinister stepdad, as I've seen him called in some <laughs> places. And so now I'm just going to get this over with to chug this Red Bull. Yes. So I'm going to play this. You hear that? All right. Here we go. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Destroying it. You might as well have shotgunned it. You're going so fast. Jesus Christ. I'm glad he can't hear me. He might spit while laughing. <laughs> oh my God. What a legend. A little bit of spillage, but. Ugh. Oh my gosh, dude. You were faster than Latifi. Well, I mean, that's not saying much, but. <laughs> Ready to roll. Oh my God. Yes. So. I have 11 on a Sunday night. 11, yeah, it is 11 p.m. <laughs> on March 27th, Sunday. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yes, Max is on my uh, – I guess we're calling it our fantasy team, I guess. We we each have 10 drivers. I have Charles and Max. So that's two punishments in a row for you, unfortunately. So now that you've done two, what was worse, the chugging the Red Bull or the five or six Moscow mules? Oh, certainly the Moscow mules. It's not even, <laughs> it's not even close. That was like kind of tough, but I'm going to be burping a little bit, but so pardon me for that. But yeah, I'd rather do that every day than uh, having to do the Moscow mules again. Not that they were bad. It was just a lot. So yeah. But well, yeah. hey, I, I think you've now drank one more Red Bull than everybody that works for Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, I don't imagine <laughs> that that's on their uh, approved diet list. No, every time I see Max with like with the big Red Bull cup, I'm like, I know there's water in there. There's, oh, yeah. Max is not drinking Red Bull. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we have we have a ton to get to. So, yes. Nicely done, though. Fucking congrats. Congrats. I know my undying love for Lewis is kind of backfiring early in the season because I need uh, I need him or or uh, Russell or who else is my other guy or Carlos Carlos could win for me because I need yeah just for balance I need you to start doing some some punishments here I know for real <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll get right into the uh, fantasy bracket points thing um, so going guy by guy you were victorious this week with uh, first and second place finishers. So you won this week 64 to 38. Uh, so that brings the season total to 115 to 89. You have wow. a 26-point lead after two races. Yeah. Oh, see, so. but here's the thing. When, when Max and Charles inevitably crash into each other, that's when you're going to gain and you're going to actually take the lead at that point because that's got to be inevitable, honestly. Yes, 100%. It's, I mean... They're very clean today, and they were clean last yes. week. But once things get uh, a little more intense as the season goes on, I'm sure, there's bound to be a couple of flare-ups. Dude, it, it's 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 already more intense to me, at least, than the start of last year, which oh, yeah. I didn't think it was possible, you know. But it, it it's you know it's definitely because you know it's obviously a completely different driver going up against Max at this stage. But 
I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe it's because it's so, I don't know, the new era. I, I, I don't know. It just, there's something about the energy this year that's just different. And I love it. Yeah. I feel like last year it was intense with just the two guys at the front, but they were so far ahead of everyone. And now it's like the entire field, even guys on their own, their own teammates are battling amongst each other, which <laughs> we'll obviously get into God, uh, the yeah. race and everything that went on this weekend. An insane weekend. Uh, a yes. couple, couple like news and notes, I guess you'd say before the race and all that started. So uh, first up, there is a Las Vegas race that has been announced for U.S. Thanksgiving 2023, unless I'm mistaken. So what do you think about that, Mr. American? That's I, that's crazy. Um, I I did not know it was going to be scheduled for Thanksgiving, but honestly, that's just so American, so fitting. In Las Vegas, my my biggest hope is that I'm actually not extremely familiar because I know they've raced in Vegas previously, like years ago. Right. Yeah. Um. I I I think I've seen it referred to as like a parking lot race. Yeah. But there's been some talks about them like going all out and like doing it like on or at least right next to the strip, which that's what I want. Like, let's do that. That would be so badass. Yeah, I think everyone wants that. I think last time, I'm not exactly sure because it was years ago, but it was something like in a Caesar's Palace uh parking lot or something like that yeah so, yeah it wasn't great but uh, and the heat and everything just insane but yeah i don't know i think everyone wants it to be on the strip that would be amazing i don't really know like the logistics if how they can shut down the strip for an entire week but i mean if they if they can do it if they've got the money to do it so hey they <sighs> i think they know how many fans it's gonna bring yeah and like uh, three races in the u.s i don't think people outside of the u.s or North America necessarily realize how big the U.S. is because there's been some compl- complaints online about yeah. like, oh, they have, why do they get three races? Like they're not even the biggest like F1 fan base. But like a, a majority of where the races are in Europe is so much closer. You can go to so much, so many more races than you could just living in the U.S. So like yeah. even though there's three races, they're still very, very far apart. I definitely understand like the take of being like it's unfair. They have three races, but like. I live in Georgia in the southeast part of my country. If I wanted to drive to the northwest part of my country, it would take me three or four days. Like if yeah. I drove straight and didn't stop three days, like yeah. it is, it's massive. And I don't even live close to Austin. Like right. that's also the south, but that would be a two day trip. Like it's mm. ridiculously massive. So I'm, I'm totally for it. Obviously. I mean, I, I'm biased as fuck, but. <laughs> I'm super excited for it. My only concern is that, and I know this is also going to lead into sort of our next topic, is that will there be too many races on the calendar? Because mm-hmm. it already feels like it's pushing it a little bit. Yeah, like what's going to go? I mean, this is, yeah, well, it's kind of like you said, segues perfectly into our next topic. So they discussed, what's his name? Uh, Stefano Domenicali, the Formula One CEO, uh, yeah. had a quote saying that, and it got a little bit misconstrued. He had a quote saying there's interest for 30 races on the calendar. Not that they were going to do 30 races, but that there's interest. So like everyone kind of freaked out, like no way can they, like that'd be ridiculous, but just that there's interest. But even if they're adding obviously now um, Vegas, so yeah. there's 23 this year, that'll be 24. They take like, and that's, they're going to replace Russia. So I, I don't know, like 23, 24, how many more can they go? Like there's right. so much travel they they need the weeks off between like they can't just go like say they were going to australia next week or something that would be insane given the time change so and the travel obviously so yeah it's uh 
I don't know. What do you think is like the perfect amount of races? And if they're going to like, what tracks are they going to get rid of? Yeah, I think, I mean, just from a, a fan's perspective, I felt like 22 was the perfect number. 23 felt like, okay, we'll add, yeah, add one more on. That's fine. That's just more racing. But I feel like 24 is like pushing it, but it's doable. And I think anything past 24 is just unfair to the teams I, and to the engineers. Like, oh my God, they're not going to have any free time. You're going to have to extend the season into the break. So that's less time for these guys to get time off. And it's less time for the teams to develop the car and work on the car for preseason testing for the next year. So, yeah, 100%. And like I don't know. in this situation they're in right now, like a guy like Vettel, if the races are even more packed, like they're just going to miss more races if yeah. like they need the, the breaks in between if something is to happen. Or like say, God forbid, Mick were to have been injured, like the time, more time between races does allow guys to kind of recover. Um, so before we get into the race, just one more thing, pre-race. And I, we're not going to go too much into this because it borders on politics uh the aramco i guess you could say bombing that happened yeah. like i don't know six six to ten kilometers or miles from the track while they were doing their practice sessions and it was so close that max even said on his onboard that he could smell something burning and he didn't know like obviously that there was something that just happened so he's like wondering probably like is, is my car burning like what's going yeah. on here so yeah any any thoughts on on that and what I mean, I guess you can also discuss like what it led to with the drivers and the team principals and the whole decision that they had to make. Yeah, I think that that onboard of Max asking if his engine was burning or if something was burning, that's really just really eerie because then you hear, I don't know if it was Christian or a Red Bull engineer, but you can go, it's not the car. That's all they say. You're just like, and I remember being like, oh, I was like, wonder what that is. But then you see the picture of, george doing his you know practice lap and you just see a huge cloud of smoke behind him it's horrifying i understand the team principles moving forward because it it sadly kind of toto said that it he was like this is just basically the reality of living here or, or racing here this is just sort of what you have to accept and he's right but then that brings the question should you be racing there at all because i mean we canceled russia because of the obvious conflict that's going on but then we're just proudly racing in saudi arabia when there's like there's human rights issues this was a whole topic a couple of months ago when they were in Jeddah at the end of last season but i just personally think they just Jeddah just shouldn't i just it just doesn't fit formula one to me it's too there's just there's too much risk involved to me yeah no i agree i mean it's it's a fun track to play in the video game. It's a fun track yes. to watch. Like quality is very exciting, but it's a guaranteed at least one safety car. We didn't get a red red flag surprisingly um, this week, but yeah, it's uh it's kind of like a, a bad situation waiting to happen. And yes, it was a little more tame having it at the start of the season, but there's just too many things like just on the like knife's edge moments where guys are just so close to going off or just so many things that there's close to being incidents and that's just the track then you bring into the whole human rights and everything that's going on yeah. outside of it and the certain comments that are made towards guys like lewis hamilton and just 
so much going on in that part of the world that it doesn't really seem right to me that they're rewarded, you could say, with an F1 race. But we'll leave that up to the uh, those that are in power with F1 but or the FIA. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem right. Definitely not. And I understand that it's a difficult situation because there's a lot of like Saudi Arabian people involved in the FIA, which, you know, it, it, there's just so many moving parts and so many different ways to look at it. You know, you can't just say we're not racing here. And I do know there was a, there was that the talk about, there was like a rumor going around that there was like, some sort of, I don't know if it was one of the engineers, but basically somebody saying that they were told that if they decided to not race and to not participate after the attack, that they may have trouble leaving the country. And to my understanding, that's not true. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm, I don't think it's that, you know, war torn there that they're going to like prevent them from leaving the country, but it's, it's still like terrible situation. Unfortunately, the sport just, is always involved or not, or just not necessarily involved, but just like secondhand involved in some sort of conflict. So I would like to see this track not come back. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, just too much, too much stuff surrounding it that you can't, this focus should be on the racing yep. and on the drivers, but it wasn't. Um, so yeah, the drivers in the aftermath of that on was it Friday evening, I believe they had a, a meeting a drivers meeting. First, the team principals came out and said, like, no, we're racing no matter what. And then the drivers had a meeting for four hours. It's quite a long meeting. Would it like to be a fly on the wall for that? Uh, yeah. At one point, I and this is all rumors or hearsay, but from what I've read, at one point, all 20 drivers were against racing. And then it kind of moved down to five, five or six that were against it very strongly. And then the team principals came in and I don't know what exactly was said, but they, they went racing, obviously. Yeah that's that's just that's part of the sport but it's also i just really feel for those guys because i was stressed just the idea that the 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 risk that something could happen shouldn't be there there should never be a risk that something could attack could happen there's there's too many risk factors it's just i totally side and understand the drivers that didn't want to do it because I wouldn't want to and seeing like the fans uh, specifically like during some of the shots, they would show like the crowds and there were like families that were obviously vacationing and taking a trip to see the race, like with their kids. It was just like wild. I'm like, yo, there's like bombings happening. Like, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really have any, any more to say on that. It's just like it's yeah. a wild scene. I think, it, yeah, we agree. It shouldn't shouldn't be there. It's easier said than done money talks especially in uh whatever billion dollar business that they're running but yeah it's just it's unfortunate that mm-hmm. stuff like that overshadows the race but australia is next and that'll be that'll be very exciting um, i get cannot there not wait i cannot awesome. wait for australia absolutely yeah it's gonna be awesome to see danny danny back home uh yeah so on to qualifying um q1 the big news for q1 unfortunately <laughs> lewis <laughs> Lewis goes out in Q1, uh, 16th. He was just just out of qualifying for Q2, but nonetheless, I think it's the first time in many years, the first time that he was out on true pace in, since like 2009. Yep. Uh, Q1. So just, uh, yeah, very, very shocking, disappointing. He didn't really have words 
I guess afterwards in the aftermath, we're still sort of finding out, but Toto said basically that they tried a new setup uh, with his engine and it just didn't, didn't work at all. So George obviously did pretty well and Lewis did not. So that's that. What was your, uh, what did you think as that happened? It, it makes a lot of sense that it's a setup issue. Cause it took me off guard because I was watching on my phone and I just like, I was like half paying attention because I was with some friends, but I was also like, I was like Lewis. I was like, in my head, I was like, has he not set a lap? And then he set the lap and he was only 15th and then stroll past him right at the last second. I was like, just shocked. <laughs> like, honestly, because, you know, I may not be like a big Mercedes fan, but I love Lewis. I adore him. I think he's like, he's obviously the goat. We've talked about this, but just so shocking. And I just, I, I felt terrible for him because even if, even though it's not his fault, obviously, because Russell was able to set such faster times, you know, it's obvious it's the car. It's not Lewis. So it still had to have been just gut punch or a gut punch. So I definitely felt for him. It was, I, I definitely did. I wasn't like happy or anything about it. I was just shocked. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a good weekend for, for Lewis all around. No, even before the race, he said he was just looking forward to getting home. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of funny. Um, I mean, we'll get to the race later, obviously, but his uh, onboard after the race and his guy said like, you finished P10. He's like, do we even like, do we even get points? Is there even points for that? <laughs> I'm sure like half joking, but yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> that's, that's hysterical by the way. <laughs> like, yeah. Just still, still cracking a joke in that moment. He's yeah. sort of taking it like, I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's like, I guess easier to take that than it would be if you were losing this based on his own like performance necessarily, right. but still, so like that, I guess is really P1 uh, in a nutshell. And then P2 took a long time and that's because uh just a very scary one of those ones that as it's happening you just feel like oh my god like everything stops and just waiting for any sort of movement and uh actually so we're talking about mick, Schum mick schumacher um a very heavy crash or shunt as they, i believe they say uh, and apparently all of his communication went out instantly in the car as it happened so the Haas team couldn't even communicate with him at it happened that must have just been a terrifying moment i mean they showed the guy that i think is on the mic and he like he looked like he had tears in his eyes um but yeah just very scary definitely one of the big negatives with this track is how dangerous this track is such high speed corners i mean i think i think the announcer said something like they actually only have to go full on the brakes four times in a lap which is insane that's just the such technical corners in that spot. I think someone in uh, Formula Two had a had a crash at that exact same spot. I could be mistaken, but I did see footage, and it was like so so similar to Mix crash. But that the moment actually on the Sky the Sky Sports broadcast when they're talking to Gunther right after it happened, he actually doesn't even know if he's okay. Mm -hmm. So and he didn't even see the crash like he saw it on the replay for the first time. He was just like, Holy shit. Then they learned that thankfully he was all right. And then they, were, then he was, I think it was, it might've been Will Buxton. I don't know, but he was like, are there plans to race the car tomorrow? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to add is that of course <laughs> after that, he was, uh, he, he didn't race. Uh, and the car is just in shambles as they're trying to get it off the track and it kind of like split and it was hanging by a thread and, 
yeah, that took that took a long time, but rightfully so. They've got to clear all that up. Uh, so we get through Q2 into Q3. Uh, very exciting Q3 again. Uh, that's one thing this track's good for. Like it's it's obviously dangerous, but it's exciting uh, in qualifying. hundred um, percent. Uh, so one quick thing, Kevin Magnuson said afterwards, he, his neck kind of gave out during Q3. Um, so then he he was kind of off the pace in Q3, so he was 10th. But uh, yeah, I believe he had to have like a lot of work done just to be able to race on Sunday. So interesting. Jesus it makes Christ. sense. He was just like called off the bench to come in um, just like two weeks before the, the season. So I guess it makes sense. There's so much strain on their necks. But yeah, that's that's scary. Um and then Checo, Checo's first pole. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, he was even surprised. Like, just just a great moment after all. We've been talking sort of negatively so far about everything, but that was yeah. an unbelievable moment for everyone. Yeah, totally out of the blue, too. I mean, he actually said he, he, his second sector was yellow. So he, he actually lost time in the middle sector, but he found so much time in the third sector that he was able to pass both of the Ferraris when Max could not. And of course, I think Max complained about grip or that he made a mistake in the first turn, something like that. I'm not sure, but unbelievable. I, I love Checo. I was just so happy to see that for him. It was so yeah. cool. Oh, Max complained. <laughs> Big surprise. Yeah. Uh, we can, I, I, I do have some thoughts about some of his, um, some of his remarks towards the end of the race. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just one last thing on Perez. Yeah, it's his first ever poll in like 200 and something races. So great for him. And he said in his post-race interview that it was, he could have raced a thousand laps and he wouldn't have raced one as good as that. So unbelievable, which is like sick. This, I mean, he obviously could have done a better second sector, but I think with the car too, the way it was, like maybe the, it, that was the best he could do in sector two. Um, yeah, very... Very interesting. So the top four, it was um, kind of a Red Bull sandwich of the Ferraris. <laughs> Perez, Leclerc, Sainz, Verstappen, top four. Uh, yeah, very set up for a very interesting, very interesting start to the race with Verstappen coming in behind those guys. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then um, before we get into the race quickly, Danny Ricardo was given a three-place penalty because he held up Akon. Um, I don't think he did it on purpose or anything, but it was pretty yeah. obvious that what happened when you see the replay half an hour before the race, Carlos Sainz had a car issue, which was kind of scary, but Ferrari was able to fix it. Like, well, I guess they fixed it 30 minutes before the race, but yeah, that was, there, there's a picture I think Will Buxton put out of just like, I don't know, 20, 25 Ferrari pit crew guys just all around the car trying to fix whatever it was. So Jeez. that must have been a bit of a scary moment. Um, and then during the warm up laps, another unfortunate um engineer yuki sonoda just engine kind of conked out i'm not entirely sure what happened uh, i'm not a specs guy but so i say engine conked out and once again little yuki sonoda was out of the race unfortunately because like i want to see what he can do this year so it's uh yeah it's just unfortunate whatever that happens for sure mm -hmm. and it's crazy that now all four of the red bull engines in two weekends have all dnf in a race at least once that's crazy that's yeah, insane very crazy i think all every engine supplier this week had a car conk out at one point yep you want to go through first few laps yeah absolutely it was it was insane i was i was really expecting 
some sort of incident, to be honest. And there almost was Max was super aggressive going in, but even the announcers were like, that was just, it was an aggressive move, but it was clean. You know, Carlos could have fought it, but it probably would have taken them both out of the race. So he kind of held back, which was smart in the long run, but it was just from the start, it was just insane. And the, one of the more remarkable things is that before what, comes in a couple of laps Sergio was actually finding some time on Leclerc he was like three seconds ahead of him after like 10 or 12 laps something like that which I think is like really insane given like how powerful the Ferrari engine has been yeah I know very exciting start I we were texting back and forth saying like any chance Perez holds on this and like I I don't know. I, I kind of said, I'll admit it. I said, like, I, I don't think he holds through turn one. Like I thought one of the Ferraris <laughs> or Max would come ripping through. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he held strong. And, and then that leads, um, leads to the next thing. I mean, we'll skip over one thing. We'll get back to in a second, but yeah, just the horrible luck for Checo, uh, fantastic sort of gamesmanship or mind games played by Ferrari. Unbelievable. Yep. It, uh, just Leclerc pretending on the radio that he was going to pit. So Checo pits, and then right after Checo pits, uh, Latifi just, I'm getting a little embarrassed that he's a fellow countryman <laughs> at this point. Like, I think it's three races in a row that he's crashed out, like just not not good. Um, yeah, Wild. so he goes out. Uh, the yellow flag comes out, and obviously Leclerc's in first and has just, just got a free pit. So, uh, yeah, that, that changes the order up to... Uh, and at that point, also, uh, Lewis was making a little run up the field too. He was on hard, started on the hard tires. He got up to seventh after that. Didn't pit. In hindsight, probably maybe maybe should have. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was going on as this was going on. Maybe a little bit before this it started, and this lasted the entire race was Acon versus Alonso. The two pink cars, Alpines, just it was kind of a combination of oh my god, this is incredible and what on earth are they doing <laughs> yeah like, uh, we both said like i can't wait to hear the onboards from this uh interestingly enough after the race they seemed like it was just like a friendly they seemed to enjoy it whether they're being honest or not but i was expecting like some heated especially those two guys they're they're known to uh have a little bit of their tempers flare uh yeah, what did you fiery. think as you were watching that dude i was shocked what cracked me up the most was they they the typically every weekend they'll pick one team principal and they're sort of they'll sort of get like quick little interview grabs real fast throughout the weekend and they asked him during like one of the scraps i think alonzo had just flown past Akon on like the main original straight and he's like he's like oh yeah we're just this is part of the strategy we're t we're totally calm this is all part of the plan he's like just wait just wait he's like they'll they'll settle they'll get into it and then we'll we're we'll set sail or he said something like that and I, in my mind i was like dude that's such bullshit yeah. you've got uh he's he's not a rookie by any means he's extremely experienced but you've got akon who's you know definitely way younger than alonzo and has not achieved nearly the same results but i mean they're arguing they're in the same car you know he wants to prove himself they've been teammates was this their second year yeah yeah, the second, yeah. second year, you know, they just want to go for it. And it's so cool to see. But like, if I was on the corporate or team management side of that team, I would be shitting myself like that was intense. And there was almost a moment when I, I believe it was, yeah, it was 
Fernando attempting to overtake Alcon, and he just uh, Fernando went for like a last minute overtake on the left, but then Esteban waited really, really late and cut him off, and it almost ended with Fernando in the wall. But of course, he's one of the best drivers ever. He corrected it, brought it back on course, stayed behind him. So it was just epic. It was so cool, but so irresponsible. But it it paid off for them as well as it could. Of course, later on, Fernando had engine failure, unfortunately, but it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely fascinating. As a fan watching it, it was, it was awesome. Like the, it's been clearly proven through only two races that what they try to do with the new regulations with the cars, how the close they can battle, it's, it's clearly worked. It, this is already just unbelievable up and down the, the field, how close they can battle. But that was very, very surprising how long that went on for. And yes. yeah, how uh, calm and uh, I don't even know the word for it, but you could tell that the, the guy on, that they interviewed was lying. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, 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 you'll see, you'll see. The, you'll they'll, see. Get it, they'll, they'll figure it out. And then they just kept going toe to toe the entire race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fascinating. And then, um, that, so the restart comes out back after the, the TV crash. The restart is la- around lap 20. And Perez and Sainz sort of had a bit of a uh, tussle. I don't know what you'd say, coming out of the pit lane. Um, Sainz thought he was entitled to third, but Perez uh, went ahead uh, just at the last second as Perez was coming out of the out of the pit lane. Um, and it took a long time for the stewards kind of to make a decision on what they were going to do. Sainz was very vocal mm-hmm. on the mic that they he was upset about what was going on, and they changed it that they don't necessarily give a a ruling right away i guess they kind of let the teams and drivers figure out what they want to do and then if they agree with it they'll just kind of let that slide so yeah that was sort of interesting and played out um a bit as the race went on did you have anything else on that yeah that was just neither driver i would say was in the wrong carlos was ahead but also sergio couldn't tell you know he obviously thought he was ahead of carlos so it ended almost in an incident but luckily he was able to, or Carlos was able to avoid that. What you said was interesting. Yeah, Crofty, I think, explained that, I guess, so they can focus on the race and just be able to give it their full attention. They're, like you said, letting the teams decide that. But what I thought was interesting was that Red Bull waited until the restart to give signs a position back. Do they maybe not want to, because I know you can't overtake during a safety car. Maybe they didn't want to check with the stewards. They're like, listen, just wait. As soon as it starts, we'll give it back to you. Like maybe it was that situ- like that case, but it was just weird to me because mm-hmm. he stayed in front for like four or five laps. It was just like, he's going to give the position back at some point. Like when's it going to happen? Yeah, it seemed very straightforward when it first happened and it just sort of didn't. <laughs> so I don't know really what to, what to make of it, but it, it all ended up, they did. he did eventually give it back. And yep. It cost both of them really in the race uh, any chance at battling for those top two spots. So, uh, and really ended up making Perez just kind of stuck. Uh, he he made up a bit of a bit of a run to come back, but he just sort of, was sort of stuck. So disappointing race, given how it started and given how amazing his quality was. Hugely disappointing. Mm-hmm. So then we had the start of something else that went on for the rest of the race: these DRS strategies that, as we mentioned last week you see happen online in like the F1 video game where someone pulls up before DRS to let the other guy go through so they can then pass them on the straight, the long DRS straights. Uh, but Leclerc, 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 however you want to say it, is uh, 
he is using it like to a T, you know, and it started early, but I'm, I am interested <clears throat> to ask you, because we'll get into the Max Charles battle, obviously, but I'm interested to ask you the way it's happening now. And we saw the double lockup at one point, once they are sort of aware that this is the strategy that guys are doing and they're just slowing down at the last second, do you think at some point it's going to come a little bit dangerous? The guys are just slowing up at the last second depending on who's behind them, or if guys then decide, okay, if he slows up, I'm just going to go blow by him. Like, I don't know, I could see at some point it causing, as exciting as it is, don't get me wrong, it could cause a bit of a kerfuffle. For sure. The double lockup's a great example. I feel like that was like the closest they got to actually completely bidding it and either having one or both of them DNF. That's definitely going to be the case, I think, if a wreck ever occurs between those two, for sure. It was crazy, and you get to see a little bit of their personalities because up until that moment, Leclerc was just, he was poised. He was calm. He was patient. He was ready. He knew what Max was going to do, but like when they locked up, you saw, he noticed that Max locked up too, but he just gunned it. And Max, I don't know if he couldn't, but like he gunned it like full on flat out takes off. And it's just, it's surprising. Cause I don't know if it, mattered like where he was if there was a drs zone up ahead or like what he was thinking but it was just like so ballsy and i was like damn i was like if max had done the same thing it would just been like is there so many instances where like something like that could happen so that's i feel like that's the biggest chance of like a wreck occurring between those those two is like when they're pushing too hard and they're waiting for the last possible second to break because a lot of drivers did that today i mean akon um, Stroll, Albon, obviously at the end, they just they waited too late. And I know they're still trying to get a feel for the cars, but it, it seems like that's one of the bigger issues skill wise is that drivers are waiting too long to go on the brakes. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. It became almost, especially in that particular instance, <clears throat> it became almost like a game of DRS chicken. Like they're just yeah. waiting each other out so long to see you. It was like, you go, no, you go, no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> it is, is, yeah, fascinating. So it was also really cool uh, to see Max and Charles sort of having like a, a game of wits and seeing on the fly, like Charles that did it again the first time it worked, tried it again the second time, didn't really work. Uh, third time they had the lockup, I think, and then we'll get into it in a minute. But then after that, Max sort of got the better of Charles on those moves. So it was yep. very, very interesting to see the mind games go. Uh, so before that happened again, though, on lap around 33, 35-ish, one of the weirder laps in my brief F1 fandom because three cars just pull up lame. And all of them just like they, it wasn't anything crazy, just the engine kind of s slowed and they were very struggling very much to get back to the pit lane. It was Alonzo, Ricardo, and Bottas. So all different teams out of nowhere and then this also kind of screwed over lewis which pissed me off because he was out <laughs> there on the hard tires still forever waiting to pay yep. and this would have been it was almost it almost worked out perfectly so you gone up to sixth from starting in 15th which was amazing and then he could have pitted and maybe still finished sixth seventh eighth but he uh the pit lane was blocked at the end of, it opened like two seconds after he passed the pit lane uh which they showed a good good camera view of but <laughs> yeah, so he then had to pit the next lap after the safe, virtual safety car ended from the three cars. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, he dropped at that point from 6th to 12th, finished 10th and still got a point. 
But what was your, did you think there should have been an actual safety car there? Or do you think virtual safety car was the right move? I think virtual safety car was okay. As long as all the drivers knew like where the cars were. I did want to say, I did think it was funny or not funny. It was just like classic Lewis. I think Bono had said something like we're pitting now. Lewis and Lewis is like, it's too late, man. It's too late. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone past it. Just a meme Um, waiting to happen. That was maybe the most like sketched out. I was the entire race. Cause especially when Fernando first started slowing down and he was like taking those corners extremely. So I'm like, someone's going to slam into the back of you. And like, that is so dangerous and just another one of the many negatives of this track. So I was just on like pins and needles waiting to see like what, what would happen. But I think the virtual safety car was okay. And of course that was just, it was just so weird because Fernando slowed down, then Daniel slowed down. But Right before that happened, Bottas had just a regular pit stop. Like he didn't say there was no word about him having problems or anything like that. But all of a sudden he's just in the pit for a minute. And then Fernando slows down. They're like, all right, we're retiring the car. And then three cars like that. It's just out of nowhere. Like, do you think it was like because of the heat? Do you think it was just a sheer coincidence? Like, what do you think? I don't have the slightest clue. I don't know any of these spec stuff, but like, no, just such a strange lap for it all to happen everything was sort of easing in it almost seemed like charles was starting to pull away a bit from from max and it was just going to kind of be a you know relatively tame finish the race and then one two three just one after another they go out and then guys are some guys are pitting some guys weren't some guys couldn't pit uh the safety car comes in max made up uh so yeah after that happens the then they had the double lockup after that I believe, and then they just start going back and forth, back and forth, which was unbelievable. On the, on especially into turn one, those first few turns, they were just trading every lap, and Max was behind for quite a while. Um, Charles pulled ahead, and then yeah, obviously Max um, just got him. I believe it was was it on the last lap that he passed him, or the second last lap that he finally got ahead of him, and then uh, Charles was too far behind the DRS. He just couldn't quite catch up in the last down the last straight. I think it was half a second that he ended up winning by 0.5. Yes. And Charles, unfortunately did not get to use his DRS on lap 49 at the start of lap 49 because of the yellow flag. So he was robbed of one chance to overtake, which could have put him a little closer to maybe overtake him on like the final straight to the end. But yes, Max took it and Leclerc, you know, they both were really, really, amazing just fantastic drives but i think i'm not gonna lie as a i I am a i'm a declared red bull max fan but i do think i think max got a little lucky today i think if that yellow flag hadn't have happened and the safety car hadn't have happened i don't think the win would have happened for him as nearly as easily at least i definitely think this was leclerc's race but you know all is fair in formula one of course I love Max. I love Ferrari. Absolutely. It's just, it was, it was wild. And one thing about Max as a driver that I want to say is just, he is so aggressive on safety car restarts. It, it stresses me out and it, it, it took me back to Abu Dhabi when Lewis is just like, you could just tell he's just shocked and, but 
he's waiting for the right moment to gun it. But Max is literally like there. It's like, even I'm like, I'm like, bro, chill the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is, it's insane. It, it It's like, it's bonkers. Just is, how aggressive he is. Is that when Charles like kind of waved at him? I think so. I didn't notice that. I know I they think, did it after the race too, but I think at that moment, I, I couldn't tell if it was like a friendly hello or like a bro, like back off. He's like, hey, <laughs> fucking stop that. Like, yeah. hold on. <laughs> You'll have your chance. Just, just yeah. wait. But yeah, sorry to derail that. I just no, had no. to bring that up because it's it's definitely something that I've noticed. and I know everybody has noticed. It's just mental. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Like I, I, it started out, like I said, almost like a, a DRS chicken. And then it turned into a, really a chess match. And I, yeah. alluded, I mentioned it slightly earlier, but to see Max and Charles having that game, that mental game and Charles sort of having the upper hand at first, Max ending up, yeah, albeit slightly lucky, but Max did end up getting the better of him. And just the very, it was clean. It was excellent racing, but to see Max, I'll give Max credit for this. And this is hard for me to do, but for obviously, if not the most aggressive driver on the grid, he's right up there. Yeah. He's always very aggressive. So to see him adapt mid race to learn I mean, maybe they're in his ear, who knows, but to adapt to the DRS strategy that Charles was employing and to adapt to that mid-race instead of waiting, you know, until after the race to break it down. But to adapt to that and come out on top, I think, showed a bit of maturity for for Max that we haven't seen and some poise, as they said, on the broadcast. But yeah, even early in the race, Crofty was saying, like, as Charles lets him go by, this is Max Verstappen. Every time there's a gap, he's going to go for it. He's not going to pull up. But then the next time it happened, he did pull up and the game was on. So it was very interesting to see that uh, from both of them. And I think, so yeah, again, to see Max kind of use Charles's strategy against him to learn from what happened last race, very interesting, sets up for another, it's obviously not going to be the last time these two go at it this season. So nope. <laughs> very, very interesting, the the chess match that is that is on now between those two and Hopefully it won't just be another two man race all season. Hopefully, but I don't think it will be. I think the other cars are close enough that Carlos will be in there at some point. Uh, there'll Absolutely. be some tracks that Checo will be up there. Hopefully Mercedes will get up there. Uh, I have a target date in mind for Mercedes for Lewis winning. And that is in Montreal because I'll be there. <laughs> that's in June. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully I don't have to say. wait that long for his first race, but that's a ways first, out. <laughs> first race win. But by then I'm hoping that Mercedes can be right up there in the battle. Cause having three, three guys at least would be like three amazing race, all time racers potentially would be really, really cool to see. But regardless of the way it is now, I'm not complaining. It is, uh, it's really, really cool to see, to see these two going at it. I would sign up for that every week. Absolutely. And I will say, Come Montreal, I will be 100% rooting for Lewis just because I know how cool that would be to see for you to see Lewis win live in your home country. Like that would just be like so cool. I, I want that for you. I yeah, want that awesome. for you. I mean, it would be cool to root for a Canadian to win, but like that's just that's not going to happen. So, I mean, you never know. The like, there's been some crazier things, but it's not. It's realistically there's no chance of it. So, yeah, to see Lewis win in Montreal would be awesome. But as, as it stands now, they're probably couple races out from really competing at least but hey it's uh, what we're getting right now is unbelievable it's only been two races it's been unbelievable so absolutely um 
yeah, I guess onto the post-race and some things we learned in the aftermath of the race. First being that it's kind of a scary thing that no one had any idea until after the race. Pierre Gasly was going through what he said felt like survival in the last 10, 15 laps. He was having severe, severe um, intestinal pain, I believe it was. Like he was screaming in pain as he was making the turns on the last 10, 15 laps. said it was one of the most painful things he's ever gone through in his life. So just... Uh, kudos to him for for sticking it out i think he got eighth so he got four points for the team but wow that's crazy i don't know what happened we'll probably find out in the coming days but yeah what did you think when you learned that i so that's a worthy sacrifice yeah i actually um didn't learn that that was the case until like an hour ago and that's just shocking to me you know we all think the idea of being a Formula One driver would be the coolest job in the world, which it is. But, you know, when you when you hear the drivers talk about what it's like to drive a car or to drive a Formula One car, it sounds fucking shitty. It sounds like it destroys your body. So that's that's why these guys are luckily paid so much. They deserve it. You know, not only are they putting their lives on the line, racing at these intense speeds but they're putting their bodies through hell like it doesn't feel good to 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 do that drive and you know sometimes things go wrong like last last year when checo didn't have water like most of the race like that's got to be torture like how do you not dehydrate from all the sweat like it's just props to gasly for finish finishing the race like he's one of the best drivers on the grid to me like at least in the top like scoring point drivers i mean like he's just Amazing. Love that guy. Absolutely. Yeah, he seems to get get the most out of so this poor. He seems to get the most out of that uh, Alpha Tari. For sure. Um, almost week in and week out. He's very consistent. Uh, and then, so Albon, another former Red Bull driver, uh, he got a three-place grid penalty for Australia. Uh, I think he had a collision with Stroll or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, nothing really much on that. Uh, I do want to make a comment. Sorry, did you want to say anything on that? Uh, just, I, I was going to say well-deserved because it was, <laughs> it was a bonehead move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, certainly. Williams has just, has, they've looked, they're definitely the worst team on the grid this year, which is unfortunate, but like this, this week was just embarrassing for them. Yeah. Very unfortunate. I had, I guess, high hopes sort of for them this year. I, I didn't have high expectations, but I was hoping that they'd move their way up a few spots, but doesn't, doesn't look to be the case. Uh, I'm curious what you thought. So I watched on F1 TV this week. I figured out that they do have Crofty and Brundle. You just have to switch to the international feed. I guess it starts on like the pit lane channel or something. You just have to switch it to the international feed and then you can get Crofty and Brundle. Uh, so I don't know necessarily what broadcast you, if it was the same, they would have shown the same broadcast to you if you were watching Crofty and Brundle. But my comment on this week's race was the replays, at least on the one I watched, they were showing way, way, way too many replays and at the worst times, even the, I think it was Jensen Button who was on one of the, like one of the commentators this week, he was even saying like, cut back to the race, cut back to the race. Cause they were, it was like guys were, even one of the leaders like Charles and Max were doing their DRS dance. It was, they were cutting into replays and like, yeah, replays are good. You want to see them, but there was so much action going on on the track live that, like we have, we have two weeks now to watch replays of what happened during the race yep. when there's stuff going on. It was frustrating to say the least. Did you have that same experience? Uh, oh, a hundred percent. I fully agree with you. Yeah. I watched the, the, the Brundle broadcast. I watched the uh, sky sports feed 
to- like totally like overdone. Like I understand uh, every now and then, but like this isn't football. This isn't regular sports. Like there's not downtime. There's a race and it doesn't stop. So it doesn't make sense to like, like why are we watching uh, Aston Martin replay when the front runners are fighting right now? Like get back to it. Like even if it's a replay of Charles and Max, like show us the replays. There's, it just, it seems like the, the, the TV race director or whatever, it just doesn't seem like they, and again, I have no experience in this field, so I don't know how hard their job is. I'm just judging them. It's not great. Last, last season, there were problems as well. Last season, the biggest problem was that they wouldn't show Max and Lewis at the front. Like that they, for, and they didn't show, Sergio and Charles and or Charles trying to get to Sergio at all in the broadcast. We were watching the Alpines, which is fine. I, but like, let's see everything, you know? So I'm totally with you on that. Like it was fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There was, like I said, the TV race director was, I don't know what's going on there, but they, they focused a lot, a lot on the midfield and a lot on the replays and yes. the midfield battles were great. I actually really enjoyed watching them, but there's a time and a place for that. Um, just, just wasn't, it wasn't as good as it could be. The F1 broadcasts are always incredible. It's For one sure. of the best shows. Like there's just nothing like F1 it gives me a yeah. rush, like nothing else, but that was uh, a little bit frustrating as they came down the stretch. Uh, so speaking of race directors, what's your opinion now through two races on the current, like the new race stewards and how they're handling things and sort of the new way they're going about letting the teams try to figure it out without injecting themselves. I think it's gone pretty well so far. I think I I like the sort of not strategy, but sort of the attitude that they have for this season. Some people have said that they feel like that they've been a little harsh, like with the Albon penalty, but I think that that's warranted as long as they are consistent and they have been consistent. It's only been two races, but like, that's just, that's my biggest wish going forward. Just, I hope they stay consistent with the penalties but so far, yeah, absolutely satisfied. I think they're doing a way better job than last year. Yeah, I would agree. I think as long as they're consistent and they're – I like that this year they've been concise with the rulings. There's no back and forth. I mean, they're not having the back and forth, but uh, it's just this is this is what it is. Obviously, there was a little bit of a dispute with how long they took to figure out the Carlos signs and, and Sergio Perez, uh, who, when he's going to give the spot back. But I think – part of that can be blamed on the teams and for rebel, maybe for not just telling Checo to give the spot back. No. Yeah, for sure. I think it's completely on the teams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they even, they've made it clear, you know, that it's that they'll only step in when it's like that type of situation, if they absolutely have to. Yeah. So I think it was just on red bull, just holding off too long. Okay. And now I hope I might have spoiled that for you because I had a, this quote written in the thing. So hopefully you didn't see it. But nope. I, I intentionally did not read that part. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So it's got to play. Uh, Gunther Steiner had an all time quote today after <laughs> oh, the race. God. Here we and go. Let's see. Yeah, is it quite Can a nice position to be in now, but second race of the season? And you're thinking, oh, ninth isn't quite the maximum this car could have got. We could have had more points. No, it's, it's always disappointing. You always want maximum, but uh, but then if you think about it, you cannot be too greedy. You know, I mean, uh, last year uh, for two points, uh, I mean, I would have fucked uh, the whole paddock. 
See, I don't know if you could make that out because his accent, but last year for two points, he would have fucked the whole paddock. <laughs> this Gunther's the best, man. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. That's fucking yeah. awesome. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> He's the best. Just Dude, he like I'm so glad I didn't hear that. And I mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I've been off the subreddit for a couple of hours, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, it's making the rounds. Just a great quote. He never disappoints. No, and I I I want to say I'm so so happy that Hass is finding success. Like I I, I don't I I just they deserve it. They really do. Like I cannot imagine the stress that man has been under and throughout all of it he has kept you know besides you know when he's talking like fuck smashing my door you know shit like that we look like fucking assholes besides the tough parts you know he's always had a great sense of humor and a great attitude and i just love that team so you know obviously i was heartbroken for mick this season but it's or this race but just so happy for them like he's by far i think he's oh he's definitely my favorite team principal like by far but like one of my favorite like faces or just names in formula one it's yeah. just so great yeah he's a great character and the more success that haas has the more we're going to see from him so it's, it's going to be great i know mick talked today about how he he uh he didn't guarantee it but he said he's going to get points in australia so it'll be it'll be fun to see see that and you know uh you know gunther loves mick so that's going to be that's going to be great and kevin magnuson's doing an incredible job already too yep. so and before we get to our best and worst, let's go through the final. We haven't really given the final like points. So first for Stappen, second, Charles Leclerc, who also got the fastest lap. So he yep. had 19. Uh, Carlos Sainz, third, 15 points. Perez, fourth, with 12 points. Fifth, Russell, 10 points. Sixth, Akan, 8 points. Seventh, Norris, 6 points. Eighth, Gasly, 4 points. Nine, Kevin Magnuson, 2 points. And 10th, Hamilton with 1 point. Uh, there were only four other guys that finished Zhou Guan Yu, Hulk, Stroll, and Albon. Uh, the others either didn't start or didn't finish. So uh, after that, I'll just roll that into the driver standings and the constructors. So uh, pretty interesting, pretty close. Charles Leclerc, obviously, first place, 45 points. Then Sainz, 33. So the two Ferraris are 1-2. Then we got Max Verstappen, third, 25 points. Fourth is George Russell, 22 points. He's ahead of his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, is fifth with 16 points. And then Ocon, 14 points. Perez, 12 points. Perez, a bit down there. Um, and Magnussen, 8th. Bottas, ninth, And Lando Norris uh, rounds out the top 10. So some interesting stuff there. Anything j- jumps out to you before I get into the constructors? Yeah, shout out to McLaren for actually being able to score some points this weekend. I know they've had a lot of struggles, and they still do. Um, you know, a little bit of luck played their hand today, but I really hope that they can that Daniel Ricardo can get some points in Australia. So I'm just happy that they aren't going to be at zero for another weekend, at least. Yes. They, they, uh, they showed some, some growth this week and I'm not sure if you saw Lando's post-race interview. He was very candid about how basically said our car just, our car sucks. It's awful in slow corners. And they were trying to be positive and saying like, well, you know, you guys showed some improvements this week and said, Oh, I don't know about that. Like it really depends on the, <laughs> really yeah. depends on the track. But like you said, you know, if we were back in Bahrain, you would have saw the same thing. So it really just depends on the track. But it was it was nice to see him up there at least. And then the constructors. One thing that surprised me, but first place Ferrari by 
they're growing their margin. Uh, it's what, 40 points already. So they're up by 78 points. Or sorry, they're at 78 points. Mercedes is still second place. That was what surprised me. They're at 38 Close. points. And obviously, Red Bull got conked out last week. But yeah, they're third place with 37. So just one point behind Mercedes. Fourth is Alpine. Alpine, 16 points. Fifth, Haas, 12 points. Sixth, Alfa Romeo. Seventh, Alfa Tauri. Eighth, McLaren. And then there's only two teams that haven't scored a point yet. Aston Martin and Williams. So it looks like, yeah, as we said, Williams is probably going to be at the bottom because you expect Aston Martin, you expect Seb to get at least some points uh, at some point during the season. I hope so because they look like shit this year. Like I'm, I'm going to be totally like, that's just a complete honest, candid, like Aston Martin does not look good this season. No, I like, do not. The car itself looks nice, but the like yeah. the livery itself looks nice, but that is yeah. about where the word ends and all that money that, Lance Stroll's dad put into the team. It doesn't really look like it's it paid off early, but it hasn't. They haven't really stood the test of time. So some no. uh, some heads are probably going to roll there. But any other um, any surprises? I guess it, I shouldn't have been surprised about the fact that Mercedes was still second. But given how Red Bull ended last week, but the fact that they're struggling so much and they're still right there with Red Bull to me means hopefully that once they do figure it out, they could still battle with Red Bull, even if it's just for second place behind Ferrari. At this rate, with two drivers that are going to be at the top of the field every week, it looks like Ferrari probably, or might at least run away with the constructors. The driver could happen. looks like it's going to be close. But yeah, that battle for second and third, if Mercedes can pick it up within the next two months or so, will be very, very interesting to me. Yeah, I think... Mercedes chances at potentially getting second or even first is going to depend on how hard Red Bull and Ferrari go at it. If Ferrari just runs away with the constructors and Max is the only one that stays competitive, then Mercedes will definitely not have a chance at first and they'll struggle with getting a second. It's just how fast can they get those upgrades? Cause they're definitely not going to stay second, but I'm also pretty confident that they're not going to, I don't think there's any chance they'll drop to fourth. Like I think third is, it almost guaranteed for them, but I know that's like disaster for them is third mm-hmm. place, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think I, the not worst case scenario, but what we don't want to see as Mercedes fans is kind of what happened with George this weekend. It's good to see he had a great weekend, but just literally being in no man's land out there in fifth place, no one really close behind you, except I guess Lewis would be there if he had the same car, but just those two stuck amongst themselves with the other, the Rebels and Ferraris off in the distance. That'll be very, very frustrating. We'll make for a long season. But if the racing is good at the front, then just as a racing fan, it's it's going to be very good. I wonder what George's like true thoughts are. Like, obviously, he's thrilled to be in the Mercedes, but there's no way he thought that he would be in no man's land at, in fifth place. Like, that's just that's nutty. Yeah, he's got to be pissed. Like, he's still his best chance at a win was when he raced a couple years back filling in for Lewis at one rate. Like he would, you got to think he yep. was coming in thinking that every weekend he's going to be going for wins. And uh, I mean, at some point he will be, but not yet. That's, nope. that's for sure. Oh, there's no doubt that he will be though. Like there, it will be Russell Verstappen. I think, I, I think whatever season that is, whatever year it is, but it's imminent. Those two and Charles going for it eventually. That's the future. So, and oh, Lando, Pepperson Lando in there. Mm. 
Let's hope we can get a little yeah. orange, a little papaya, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's the hope. So let's move on to our, our segments here. We got best and worst moments. I'll let you go first. Best moment. You got one? Yes. My best moment is oh gosh. Ah, uh, this it's tough. Let me let me start with my worst moment. So I'm gonna say my worst moment is Albon crashing into stroll and i know there's another dnf that's probably more noteworthy but it was just so boneheaded and just pointless and it's just like come on albon you were in a red bull like let's 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 get it together (laughs) yeah but gosh my my best moment for the entire grand prix has got to be the final lap i think I didn't know if Max was going to win. I mean, I was even in the last like five to 10 seconds in the last part of the straight, I was like, Leclerc could catch him with the, with that PU. So amazing racing. And just that final lap was the icing on top. Like it was so cool. What about you? Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. So my my best, (laughs) I'm going to say the midfield battles uh, up and down, whether it was Alcon versus Alonso, or even like Lando had some nice moves. George Russell had a few nice moves throughout the race. It was, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. There's, although I feel like they focused a little bit too much on it during the broadcast, maybe uh, the actual racing itself was, was phenomenal. And as I said earlier, the car, the new cars, the new things they've done to make the racing better, that has 100% paid off and it's going to be fantastic to watch that the rest of the season. Absolutely. My I am worst. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm so excited. I've yeah. said that so many times, so sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah, my worst was definitely Lewis being unable to pit because uh, yeah, that would have been great if he could have gotten up in sixth and gotten eight points for the team. That would have been huge. Would have put, given him a little more of a gap between them and Red Bull, but that's okay. It was it was just an unfortunate kind of set of events. Not not a great weekend all around for Lewis, but uh, for the, one of the first times I've seen recently – kind of threw the team, not threw the team out of the bus, but he didn't really just take full blame on himself. Like he said, you know, like he, I forgot the exact quote, but he basically said like the team has some, the team made some errors or that the team has some, he has some questions for the team, something along those lines. Yeah. Something like that. And, you know, to his credit, it's always in the past, it's always been like, I'm sorry, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do better next time. But yeah. And I know Bono even said, he was like, I'm sorry, Lewis, we'll give you a good car. Like, yeah. So it's understandable, but it's unfortunate. Right. No, I agree. Okay. So that takes us to our hard and soft, hard and soft awards. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to give my hard to, might be surprising because he didn't win the race, but I'm going to give it to Charles. One for sort of sparking this whole chess match, this whole DRS new strategy that they're doing. He seems to be the one that's mastered it coming into this. And for, sort of being able to change Max Verstappen's driving style a little bit. Lewis wasn't able to do that last year. And already, I mean, obviously the cars and how close they can follow has a lot to do with it this year. But yeah. still, within two races, he's gotten Max to, I mean, this may come back to bite him, but he's gotten Max to think about the fact that you don't have to overtake every single possible time you can. There's yeah. Sometimes it's better to kind of uh, hold back a little bit. And then my soft... This isn't any sort of uh, 
bad thing against Checo himself, but I think his team, like Team Perez, they a mixture of bad luck and I think kind of bad decision making gave Checo an uh, unfortunate spot in this race. Obviously, like they got psyched out a little bit by Ferrari with the initial pit. They pitted on the like the first lap they could have, so they could have stayed out. There's no way to tell that that was going to happen. But then yeah. on the signs overtake pit lane thing, like yeah, it helped Max because it didn't allow Carlos to get into that race and make a two Ferraris against one Red Bull, one, two, three. But it also hindered Sergio from having a chance to get past Carlos and then make it a Red Bull, like Red two Red Bulls and a Ferrari. So no, yeah, like it's already evident, and I think this is no surprise, but it's already evident that it's Max number one and it's Sergio number two, and that's how it's going to yeah. be, and that's what he signed up for. But yeah, just that would be my soft is not giving Checo the same attention and uh, opportunity that they give max yeah gosh so i have some reasons but i i'm gonna give my hard award to checko just 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 because and i fully agree with what you said he was screwed over by his team they pitted too early they bought into the bluff but that that qualifying lap by checko him getting his first ever pole and just having it taken away from him, not by his own mistakes. And yeah, he made that mistake later in the race, but gosh, that, that pole lap was just massive. It was amazing. And it came out of nowhere too. So that was one of the biggest like shocks and like happy surprises of the entire weekend. So got to give that to him. But again, totally agree with everything you said. My soft award is Latifi for Perez. <laughs> I have to do it. And it's three Grand Prix in a row that he's caused a safety car or at least a virtual safety car. But like, come on, man. Like, and Mazepin's not there to take all the hate, you know, like it's all on him. So, and of course he does not deserve the massive wave of hate he's getting online. That's total bullshit. If you're threatening somebody online, you're a piece of shit, but Yeah. You got my soft award today, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's completely completely warranted. It's kind of funny that it was like last year when the whole Latifi thing happened in Abu Dhabi. Obviously, it led to the situation. We can call it with <laughs> the, Max and Lewis. The situation. Horner joked after that Latifi's going to get a lifetime supply of Red Bull now. <laughs> Obviously, a joke. Didn't go over very well in the no. among some people, but I mean, it's a joke. Yeah, but after today. I think they might have to pull that uh, free free lifetime pass because <laughs> he really did screw over Checo because they just said Checo was just cruising. And I I think everyone really would have just been happy to see him win. Who knows if he would have been able to hold everyone off, but it would have been cool to see at least. It would have been cool to see how he, at least if Leclerc was, was able to catch him, which he would have with pitch strategies and their power unit. It would have been really awesome to see how Checo handled the chess the chess game, as you call it. But... Yeah, it's just an it's just sad. Yeah, it is. You uh, mentioned earlier wanting to say something about Maxi Boys radios today. Oh yeah. Um, specifically, I just and I know people have commented and they've said that it's like tradition for the previous world champion to like come in and whine a bunch, but it felt like he was 
I don't know. And I know it's just like that instinct where you're just trying to get every possible edge you can over your teammate. But like he complained that Charles like crossed the pit line like three or four times. And it's like, yes, he did. But it's also on the track. Like he didn't go into the pit lane and then veer over the barrier, over the whatever you call the the little cross out area or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a curb there, but yeah, it just it felt like whiny to me. It's like, bro, like let's not bitch that much. Like you're Red Bull, but like, don't be that much like Red Bull. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. And then also when he was bitching about, and I I do kind of see in the moment, like where he was coming from, but he was like, it's unfair that Leclerc caught up to me. And I guess because of a yellow flag, but at the same time, it was like only in a certain sector. And also, I don't know if you noticed this, but like, it flashed green flag two different times before immediately going back to yellow. So that whole situation was just strange. And there was a lot of talk that maybe the entire top three could be given penalties because they, they weren't really slowing down. Like we'll be real, like, but max wasn't either. So I just felt like, I just feel like the complaining got a little out of hand this weekend, but you know, what can you do? Yeah. That and complaining about, the lights on Leclerc's car. Yeah, that too. Like, I mean, it doesn't, I guess they were saying like the only reason he would care is because then you can tell when he's harvesting battery. But yep. at that point he wasn't within striking distance and the way he was going on about it, like yeah, it's just his tone sometimes. It's like, oh, you're such a little baby. But I mean, the it's, way his upbringing and everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny, like I said last week, but it's also just like, Grow up, man. Like you're the world champ now. You should be, you know, a little more content with with everything. And and also, like, yeah, all of these things, they're things that he, regardless of whether he's right or wrong, doesn't have any control over. If there if there is an actual issue going on, 100 percent the his team is gonna have noticed it and they're gonna be the ones that are on it. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of like screaming into nothingness. But hey, if that's if he needs to do that to get himself revved up or whatever the case may be, then Whatever he's doing is working. So mm-hmm. any, any final thoughts on the race before we do our, our wrap up? Gosh, I think we covered everything. I, yeah, I mean, so much happened. Um, the only, the only thing I, that we didn't remark on Nico Hulkenberg is getting a lot of shit because people are saying that he did trash, that he's not, he's not any good. He shouldn't be the reserve driver. Just shut the fuck up. he, He's he's a great driver. He was a great driver. He's one of the most unlucky drivers in the history of Formula One, but he beat Stroll. Mm-hmm. He beat Stroll and he showed more poise and more talent than Stroll did today. And that's in a crappy car. And he was in the points at some point. Like yeah. he didn't get any points, but he was in ninth place or eighth place at some point. So like just give the guy props. Like it's Nico. Come yeah, on, ab- absolutely. You know, the Hulk. It was, uh, the Hulk. It, it was sad. They, were, they even marked on the broadcast. It was kind of sad. Couldn't help but feel for him as, like, yeah, he was up. He was doing such a great job up in the points. And then every lap on between like turn one and four, one or two cars were just going by him and he was losing spots every time. And it was by no, nothing he could do. It was just no. the pace of the car. It's not that he did, he wasn't driving it well or anything of that nature. So, yeah, it was cool to see him back i think you would have to imagine that will be back in the car in australia and i hope he is it'll be nice to oh, see yeah. him back but uh yeah it was a cool little 
cool little stint for Hulk. And if anything, it just showed that Stroll isn't really up to snuff. No, but he's also probably not the worst uh, worst driver on the grid this year. That no. currently belongs to Latifi, but we'll see. And it's it's not like we say it's not an easy job. It's, by all means, saying Latifi is a bad driver or anything like that. Like the stuff he gets online is ridiculous. But there's got to be one, and Maz fans not there anymore. So Latifi seems to have taken up that threshold. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a it's a damn shame they're both Canadians too. I, I gotta know, say, bottom two guys, it's <laughs> it's, it's tough. It is tough. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully by Australia, one of them will figure something out. Uh, yeah. So that is that is our next race. We have a week off, so we'll have to figure yep. out what we're gonna do in terms of an episode. What's probably we're gonna finally do our drive to survive episode. Yeah, but full review. A reminder for, for now. Obviously, we're gonna do yeah. We'll do a full full review of that. We'll do a full Australian group. GP preview on next week's episode, but just prepare yourself because it is a 1 a.m. quality and a 1 a.m. race. It, that's Eastern time. So I'm, yes, sounds nice. The 1 a.m. start because I can just stay up, but then you realize that it's going to end at like three o'clock. Yeah, and then I'm not going to be able to fall asleep right after because it's going to be jacked up, and it's going to be uh, it's going to throw things off for a few days. Oh, absolutely, and it definitely will not fall asleep as soon as it's over because I just want to read about what i just read and hear people's reactions but yeah if you are on the in the eastern time zone then it will be at one o'clock in the morning start time if you're this is i feel like this is the only race where it pays to be in the western time zone but if you're on the california side starts at 10 p.m that'll be the only time where you'll be happy to be a western usa viewer because most of the time the races start at 6 and 7 a.m but yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun though i'm i'm very excited to stay up way too late <laughs> yeah no me too but we've got a, a good week of content coming up i got the video up by hopefully monday night and then some clips tuesday and then we're gonna start posting some shorts some uh some tiktok videos and instagrams why don't you give us your personal handles and the uh all the harder soft handles so that people can go there and give us a follow. Yeah, absolutely. My, my handles are just Adrian C Huff on Instagram. That's and our Adrian Huff on YouTube. That's pretty much all I use, but harder, soft, harder, soft F1 pod. We will be posting clips as usual, but we are going to be posting the same clips just formatted differently on TikTok. Instagram, Instagram reels and YouTube shorts. I get those confused. Mm -hmm. So Lots more content on lots of different platforms. Of course, the regular video podcast, which you're listening to or watching right now. We've got a subreddit, r slash harder soft podcast, harder soft podcast, r slash. Check that out. And I know we said we weren't, we're not going to give anything away, but we are going to have a very special guest over the next coming weeks. Not anytime very, very soon, but we will have a very cool guest very soon. Hopefully, many cool guests because i don't know i don't know what you're thinking but i'm i'm very excited about the future of this podcast like we're still lying low but like very soon we're about to pop off yeah we're about, <laughs> we're about to take it to the top so it's good we appreciate everyone that's been on along for the ride from the start or anyone that's hopping along right now uh, you can follow me i mainly use twitter so my own twitter is at rj mccullough rj m-c-c-u-l-l-o-u-g-h and our harder soft twitter I'm mainly active during races, but I'm happy to anytime you guys want to reach out to us, whatever platform you use, our Twitter is at HarderSoftF1. So give us a follow there. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Another fun episode. And 
we'll be back at some point this week with one episode, maybe two. So yeah, thanks again for listening. Another great, great race. The season is off to an incredible start. And hopefully Lewis can get up there at some point this year. But just let's hope so. Congratulations to Max. Hate to say it, but he had a great race today. Charles, another great race. And eh, that's all I got. Yeah, absolutely. Great episode. Thank you again. It's a pleasure to do this show with you. And I can't wait to do many more episodes. So thank you all for listening. And thank you for continuing to listening or continuing to listen, continuing to listen to us. Rate us, rate us five stars, subscribe, share, do whatever you can, because we're a new podcast. We need it and we appreciate it. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week.